Good morning. Well, it is so good to be with you once again and excited to dive into God's word in just a moment together. Uh, let me give you just a, a little bit of update on some of the things that Eddie shared just a minute. Man, this has been a tough season in the life of our church. Um, you know, there is a temptation in the midst of things like this to be discouraged. But the reality is that we have to remember that sometimes opposition is actually confirmation of the mission. And so maybe we're doing something right, I don't know. And we just need to pray that the Lord gives us grace to begin to follow him and continue to hold on fast to him. Let me say, uh, man, those of you that were able to be with us yesterday for Denise's home going, what a sweet, sweet time. Uh, what a joy to see David and his family just tell stories about God's grace in Denise's life. We are sure going to miss her, but we are so grateful that her hope was built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. Uh, let me say a word from my family. Man, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. We have felt very cared for. Uh, you guys have been so kind to us and brought us more food than we know what to do with, um, cared for us, ask how you can help. Uh, just continue to pray for my wife and her brother, Stephen. If, if those of you that don't know, Stephen leads Gospel Hope Espanol. That's Trisha's brother. And, uh, and Steve Heller, who's also a member of the Gospel Hope family, that is his bride. So man, just pray for Stephen and Steve and Trisha and all the little ones that are gonna miss her so greatly. You guys have been so gracious. Continue to uphold them in prayer. Then I just want to say a word about uh, Pastor Rod. Um, we've been kind of wrestling this with the last several weeks, uh, kind of navigating this. And uh, he does have cancer right now. That is a serious matter. And we need to pray for Pastor Rod significantly in that, that God would bring healing. We did get a really positive doctor's report last week that it's operable. The prognosis is good. The surgery is scheduled here for in about a month and a half. So we do need to continue to pray for Pastor Rod and Carrie. Uphold them in your prayers. So grateful for how Rod has navigated this with faith. Pastor Rod can barely spell worry. He, he just, it's just not in his vocabulary. And so he has been full of faith. We do want to uphold our brother. We appreciate him so much. We love him, love the way he serves our church so well. So pray for Rod and Carrie as they navigate the struggle. Amen? Yeah. yeah. Um, let me pray and kind of segue here. Father, we need you. And um, we thank you for the privilege of just sharing in your sufferings a little bit that we may know your fatherly care for us. Lord, when times are hard, help us to press more deeply into the loving arms of our Father. Would you give grace? Would you give strength? Would you give mercy? Be with David, sustain him. Be with Steve and Stephen and Trisha, sustain them. Be with Rod and Carrie and Amon and Doria and Eugene as they navigate this, Lord. But in the midst of it, I pray that our faith in your goodness and your wisdom and your sovereign care for your people would grow. We need you. We need you. Precious name of Jesus, we pray. All God's people said, amen. Well, welcome to Connect Sunday. And as Eddie said, it's a little bit chaotic today. 
So today is going to be a little bit out of the ordinary. At Gospel Hope Church, you've heard us say this a thousand times if you've been around here at all. Our mission is to make disciples who are growing in the gospel. Now remember where I'm standing right now. As a while on mission. That is, followers of Jesus, we firmly believe they should be growing in three relationships. They should be growing in their relationship with God. That's growing in the gospel. They should be growing in their relationship with other believers. That's family. And they should be growing in their relationship with the world. That's mission. A healthy disciple of Jesus has got to do all three. And in order to help us pursue this mission, we have a very simple and very related ministry strategy. Did you know that? Did you know kind of behind the curtain, there's a strategy that we're operating on all the time that are helping us grow in the gospel as a family while on mission. I'm going to pull back the curtain and it's actually going to be up on the screen right now. There are three things that we want people to do in order to help them grow in the gospel as a family while on mission. The first thing is we want them to encounter the gospel at our worship gatherings, okay? We want you to kind of start here. This is the place where you begin. This is step A, where you are regularly hearing about God and the work of Jesus on his, on your behalf so that you can grow in the gospel. But from there, we want you to not only come to a worship gathering and encounter the gospel, we want you to move on from there. And from a worship gathering, we want you to experience family in our community groups. So what do we want you to do? We want you to link arms with some brothers and sisters in Christ who would help you to be able to grow. So you go from a worship gathering, you start coming. That's usually what happens. People show up. And then they say, oh, I'd like to learn a little bit more. Well, your next step is really to experience this family dynamic that Pastor Eddie was talking about in a community group. With me so far? Then from there, we have a kind of a third pillar that we want you to move on and we want you to engage on mission in a ministry team, okay? We want you to serve in some capacity. Serve in children's, serve in production, serve on the worship team. In some sort of way, we want you to begin to engage the gifts that God has given you to further the mission that God has given us. So, you ready? Let's do it again. We want you to, I'm going to get a workout today. I forgot my watch this morning, so I'm not getting any credit either. So, yeah. We want you to encounter the gospel in our worship gathering. We want you to experience family in a community group. And then we want you to engage on mission on a serving team or on a ministry team. All right. Today, what we really want to highlight is that middle pillar. We want you to experience family in a community group. Today is Connect Sunday, and our big emphasis is helping you connect, helping you connect to the family. So what we want to do today, I'm just going to tell you right up front is unapologetically invite all of you to be a part of a community group. In fact, during the service, okay, built right into the service today, we're gonna give you an opportunity to do just that. Here's why. Because I am convinced scripturally that that is in your best interest. I really am. Um, we simply 
cannot accomplish all that we need to accomplish for our spiritual growth and formation and development as followers of Jesus in an hour, or if Rod's preaching, an hour and a half <laughs> on Sundays. We just can't do it. And this platform, this way that we're doing it is actually not conducive to it because who's gonna do all the talking this morning? Me, me. But you have stuff that is valuable that God has put in your heart. And so if we don't want a, like a 37 hour worship gathering where everybody gets up and says their peace, we need to have some other platform where we can sit down and open God's word and use the gifts and the things that the Lord is teaching us to encourage one another. The hope is that today you will get a little bit of an appetizer of what a community group is. I'm gonna give you a little bit of a foretaste of it here today. So the format's gonna be different. I'm not gonna stand up here the vast majority of the time and talk. I'm actually gonna ask you to participate at several points during the service. You're tracking with me so far? Good, give me a thumbs up if you understand. All right, very good. So here's what I want you to do. If you did not get a discussion guide, raise your hand right now because you need one. And our ushers are coming. Everybody needs one today. You need a discussion guide. And by the way, these are out in the foyer every single Sunday. You're, you're like, some of you are like, I've never seen these before. They're here every week, y'all. And in fact, you get an email usually on Saturday with the same thing on it. Let me just say in a side word, we just switched servers, by the way. So all of your Gospel Hope emails might be going to your junk folder. So check that out, by the way, that would help me know what I'm communicating with you. So everybody get one of these today, get a discussion guide. I promise you, we will be using it together. Everybody got one now? Good, couple more right down here. Very good. Oh, right, the whole section over it. You guys, come on, this whole section, I mean, are you conspiring together not to pick up the handouts? Is that what's going on? So on the front of that handout, if you draw your attention up to the screen, there is a little thing on there that we call the 5i Bible study method. Don't worry if you've never seen it before, I'm gonna teach it to you in about two minutes right now. There's five eyes and the eyes are kind of alliterated and each one of them has a symbol and a question that goes along with it. You ready? Following along with me? The first eye you see up in the upper, uh, your upper left there is insight and it's, what's the symbol? It's a lightning bolt. It's something that strikes you, get it? So as you're reading a passage of scripture, it's just an insight. You have something that jumps out of you off the page. The next one on the upper right there is inquiry. And the symbol is a question mark. It's just a question you have. So when you read a passage, you say, man, I wonder what that means. Or man, how does this apply or whatever? That's the next symbol. The third symbol, lower left-hand corner is uh, implication. And that the symbol is a arrow, technically a chevron, but you know, an arrow is better. It's an arrow. And the arrow is basically saying, how is God asking you to change in this, okay? The next one over on the bottom right is a heart and that's invitation. Well, what do we mean by that? How do you wanna invite God into this conversation? What do you wanna say to the Lord about this? Sometimes we pull apart Bible study from prayer and I just don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. We should be studying the Bible and having a conversation about God, with God about what he's teaching us. And then finally, right in the middle, the symbol is the number one. 
And the, the idea is investment. Who is God calling you to invest in? Okay, everybody with me on this? So we're gonna use this right now, okay? You're gonna take those first two, the lightning bolt and the question mark, and you're gonna gather with two or three people around you, and you're gonna look at this passage of scripture right here, Genesis chapter three, verses eight through 12. Somebody in your group is gonna read that, you're gonna read it together, and you're gonna write down one lightning bolt, and you're gonna write down one question mark. Everybody got it? We're gonna turn on some lovely house music right now. DJ Brady, drop the beat. He's slow, he's new, he's new to the DJ gig. Yeah, new to the DJ. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna discuss with some folks around you, a lightning bolt and a question mark. You just got a couple minutes, so get right to it. Get the Bible open and start looking at what strikes me from this passage. What's the question I have from this passage? Ready, set, go. Man, I hate to interrupt. I love the wonderful conversations I hear going on. But here's the reality, we do that every week in our community groups. We open up God's word and we try to have a conversation about, man, what's jumping off the page at us? How do we understand this? What are some questions we have that help us to understand God's word together? So this is just a little bit of an appetizer, what Lord willing you'll get week in, week out in a community group. I wanna talk just a, bit, a little bit about Genesis 3 this morning. It's a passage that obviously, if you've been around the church world very long, you've read before. If you've done a Bible reading plan, you usually start there. But I think we can miss some really profound realities about Genesis chapter three. You know that when, how many of you have ever driven a car that is out of alignment? You ever done this before? It's not a pleasant experience. I, I mean, a car can just be slightly unaligned and all of a sudden it feels like the whole thing is going to blow up. But, but here's the reality with alignment. When a car is out of alignment, it's gotta be put back into alignment in two different ways. First, a car, that wheel needs to be aligned with the car itself, with the frame of the car. It, it can't be crooked on the frame, but that's not all there is. The wheel must not only be aligned with the frame, it's also got to be aligned with the other wheels. Uh, the car has to be doubly aligned in one sense. And I think that is a really good picture of how God created human beings. You know that human beings must be doubly aligned as it were. When God created us, he made us to fellowship with him, to be properly aligned in a relationship with him. But that's not all. When God created humanity, he also made us to be aligned with one another. We need to be in proper alignment with God, and proper alignment with other human beings. If I could say it very plainly, I could summarize this idea, I would say it this way. Human beings were created for communion with God and community with one another. Human beings were created for communion with God and community with one another. But here's the problem. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit that God commanded them not to eat, both their relationship with God and their relationship with one another, though not, though were not completely broken, they were certainly bent. In that moment when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, 
it didn't just impact their vertical relationship, certainly did that, but it also impacted their horizontal relationship with one another. No doubt, as you were looking at Genesis chapter three, you saw that. I heard somebody yelled out like, what is he doing? He's blaming Eve. As soon as sin enters the equation, as soon as that happened, Adam and Eve's alignment with one another gets out of whack. Here's the reality. Community can be challenging. Do you feel that? As soon as sin enters into the human race, instead of looking like a beautiful narrative of God's grace and redemption, human history start look, starts to look like an episode of the Jersey Shore. Unnecessary drama, fake spray tans. I don't know what else is part of that. But the idea of, is this, community because of sin can be challenging. I, I wanna do a little bit of interaction right now to help us think about this a little bit more. If you would turn your attention up to the screen, I have a little survey for you. So if you got a phone, take it out and scan that code right there. And I want you to answer this question. What makes it difficult to cultivate deep spiritual relationships? What makes it difficult to cultivate deep spiritual relationships? Which one of these four options do you identify with most closely? For you, is it, well, right now, it's, it takes a lot of time and effort. These folks are like really committed right now. Is it, I'm afraid to be vulnerable? I can't see the other ones right now, so I don't know what they are. Brady, what are they? Holler those out. Okay, I'm not sure it's really that important. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Very good. Take a minute. Answer that. All right. Brady, can we see the full results up there? All right, there it is. It's teeny tiny for those of you with really good eyes. Okay. Okay, I'm not gonna preach the rest of this message. I'm out of here, I don't need to. Everybody's convinced you're just too busy. But the reality is we all know that real, deep, spiritual relationships, there's obstacles to them. It's a challenge or else we would all just say, man, all of my relationships are harmonious. Everything is going great. But because of sin in the human race, we sometimes have challenges with relationships. If you've been on the planet for any amount of time, you are aware that cultivating meaningful, particularly spiritual relationships can be difficult. So what is this rooted in? Why? Why is it hard for us to relate to one another in a way that we're just feeling this channel of blessing and grace that God intends relationships to be? I think we're given a couple of clues in Genesis chapter three. Look at verse number eight again. Look at what it says here. Then the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. So this is right after they've eaten the fruit. 
So they've disobeyed God, they eat the fruit, and God shows up, and look at what it says, and they, what's it say? Hid. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So when sin enters the world, the first thing our ancestors do is hide. And that's what our sinful DNA does today and is still doing today. Here's the reality. Sin makes us afraid. Sin makes us afraid. And here's the kicker. When Adam and Eve went underground, they not only hid from God, which was dumb. I mean, really, like, that's like the worst idea ever. He knows everything. He's the worst person to play hide and seek with. They hid from God and they hid from one another. Equally dumb. You know, they were walking around naked for however long it was. And suddenly they're hiding from one another. Sin makes us afraid. Sin also makes us stupid. Because they are exposed by sin, they are afraid. Look at what it says, Genesis 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So they go in the bushes, hide from God, sow fig leaves to hide from one another. And unfortunately, humankind has been hiding in the bushes and sowing fig leaves ever since. Which leads me to my point this morning. It's simply this, we've got to fight for family. It is our default setting as children of Adam and Eve to be afraid. It is our default setting as children of Adam and Eve with human DNA in us to hide and to sow fig leaves. That is our impulse. So in order to really have community, in order to really enjoy relationships as God intends for us to, we have got to fight for family. So what must we fight against? if we're to experience this family. Well, again, Genesis chapter three is informative. I've already said, I think it's fear, but there's two particular fears that I think this passage lays out. So I just wanna briefly talk about the enemies of community. And remember, I'm gonna need your help in a few minutes. Enemy of community number one, the fear of intimacy. Why are relationships hard? Because we are afraid of intimacy. Like Adam and Eve, we run to the bushes because we fear being known and as a result, being exposed. We don't wanna be exposed for what we really are. We fear being seen and then potentially rejected. We fear intimacy. So like Adam and Eve, we duck into the bushes and we create coverings that are really not very convincing. Can you imagine the Lord? Finding Adam and Eve, first of all, hiding in the bushes. And he says, come on out of there. And they come out in their fig leaves. And he's like, fig leaves? Really? I bet they were itchy. It's just ridiculous what we do, the lengths that we take 
the foolishness that we go to to hide our failures and our shortcomings and our sins from the eyes of the one who knows everything. We are fools when we fear intimacy, and yet that is who we are as human beings. We fear being seen and known by God that because we think he will reject us. So how does fear of intimacy show up in our lives today? Let me give you a couple of examples. We lack vulnerability. That is, yes, we'll share some things, but we share respectable sins. You know, yeah, I've really been struggling with this. My problem is I just care too much. God help me. Just care about people so deeply. Just Lord, please. You know, it's kind of the humble brag confession. You know, my, my issue is, is my, my prayer life just, I just don't pray like for hours a day. I mean, I really want to. It, I just don't pray for hours. It's just like an hour a day. Yeah, there's some degree of confession there, but we're not vulnerable. We're not actually saying things that, that could harm us. That's what vulnerability is. Vulnerability is putting ourselves in a position where people will see us and maybe say, ugh, I don't like that. But you can't have true community if there isn't true vulnerability. And the lack of vulnerability comes from a fear of intimacy. What's another evidences of this? L listen, you guys put it up on the screen. You know why we are afraid, uh, evidence that we fear intimacy? We just don't show up. It's too hard, takes too much work. I got other things to do. So we make these lame excuses, fig leaves. Listen, we always do what is most important to us. Do you know that? If you're too busy for God, can I say something, hear it kindly? You're too busy. We always make time for what we value most. Man, I was, David, where are you? There he is. I almost got up in a, in a funeral, but I talk enough. So I'm gonna share this this morning. Um, I, I, I'm sitting here, um, right here, and David is sitting right here. And, and I'm looking in the back of the auditorium. You guys all sat there again. Um, all these young folks who have been part of David and Denise's community group, and now several of them are leading community groups. And look, David is not, he doesn't like fancy himself like the greatest public speaker in the world. You know, I don't think at Gospel Hope, David's never preached a sermon, but you know what David and Denise did every week? They showed up. They showed up time and time again showing up and the fruit of their labors is a whole bunch of disciples because they weren't afraid of being exposed. They came with their weaknesses, they came with their vulnerabilities and they said, you know what? We're gonna show up and beat this fear of intimacy. Sometimes we don't experience the grace of God like we want to because we're just too taken afraid and we don't even admit it. 
look, friends, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to browbeat anybody, but some of you aren't involved in a community group because you're scared. And your busyness is just a fruit of your scaredness. You keep yourself busy so you don't have to admit you're afraid. It's how our hearts make war against us sometimes. We fight for family by saying, I'm not afraid to be intimate with other people, even if it takes work. How else does it show up? We're slightly misleading. I'm not gonna call this a lie, but it is. Do you ever tell stories and find that you're always the hero of the story? You're always the victim or the hero. You're never the villain. When you tell the story of your life, you're always the hero or the victim and you're never the villain. You know what that is? It's a fear of intimacy. It's a fear of being able to say, I blew it. This relationship is bad because of me. I made this choice and so I'm reaping this. And just being honest with ourselves. Sometimes the person that we lie to the most is us. And we need community to help hold the mirror up in front of us so that we see ourselves accurately. Fear of intimacy shows up all the time in our lives. As long as this fear rules our hearts, we will find it difficult to cultivate real family. Again, let me say something kindly. Do you consistently find yourself saying, I just don't have the type of relationships that I want to have? Could the common denominator in that be you? I know it's a hard word, but it's a word we all need to hear. That sometimes we're so guarded, we're so busy, we're slightly dishonest. And so we're never able to really experience the type of community that we want to have. All right, let's work on this together. On your discussion guide right there, there's a couple of questions. So you're gonna gather with some folks around you once again and answer these questions. How did Adam and Eve demonstrate their fear of being known? You see it on your sheet right there? I think it's on the bottom. How did Adam and Eve demonstrate their fear of being known? And then the second question, here's where you have to get vulnerable. How does the fear of intimacy show up in your life? That's one thing you're gonna do. You're just gonna talk about that for a minute in your group. And the second thing you're gonna do in that arrow box, you're gonna write one thing. How is God asking you to change? What's one thing God is asking you to change in? All right, ready, set, go. All right. I know I'm cutting you off, but what I'm trying to do is get you to go to community group this week, okay? You can go back and talk about this more. But Adam was not just afraid of intimacy. There was another fear that ran a little bit deeper. Adam feared failure as well. Look at verse number nine. So the Lord God called out the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man replied, Ugh, gross. The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some of the fruit of the tree and I ate. 
Just a chapter earlier, Adam's all, she is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And now one mistake, and he is playing the first game of throw her under the bus. Why? Because sin turns us inward. It makes us value our reputation and our success more than other people. Adam fears, look, Adam fears looking bad so much Remember, God's omniscient. He knows the whole story. Adam fears looking bad so much, he doesn't just say the woman. He goes a step further. He's like, God, it's not just Eve's fault. It's your fault. The woman that you gave to be with me. She gave it to me and she made me. I mean, there is no I in that thing. It is all about other people. He is terrified of being a failure. And how does this show up in our lives? Some of you are like, well, that sounds pretty good, Adam. Good, that was good navigation there. It's blaming rather than taking responsibility. It's non-existence or weak confessions. I'm sorry if perhaps Maybe you felt the way you did about my actions. And I'm sorry that perhaps you understood my pure as the driven snow motives in that situation. And I'm sorry you feel bad about that. No responsibility. That's not confession. It don't take a Christian to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry there's an earthquake in another part of the world. I'm not responsible for it. But it takes somebody who believes the gospel to say, I was wrong, will you forgive me? We need a battle for that type of humility and being willing to embrace our failures. What does it look like? It looks like constant excuses and a failure to change. That's what a fear of failure looks like. You cannot change until you begin to admit where you're wrong. And a person that is too proud to admit that they're a failure will never experience the transforming power of the gospel. No doubt we can all identify with this, right? We all to some level fear looking bad, being perceived as a failure or not measuring up and the sad reality is this when my reputation is the goal my relationships will suffer when my reputation is the goal my relationships will suffer this was true in the garden and it remains true today if your agenda is to look good your relationships won't but here's the good news After Adam and Eve's disobedience and failure, the Lord does something amazing. I love it. He calls them out of the bushes. Stop hiding. I know what you did. I see what you did. Put down those fig leaves. I'm going to take care of it. And in his grace, the Lord slays an animal and he makes coverings for Adam and Eve. 
you are a failure. I see you. I know it. And if you will come to me, I will fix it. That's the gospel. And the sacrifice of those animals in the garden was a precursor to an even greater sacrifice. Namely, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to mend what was broken between God and man and man and each other. Look at Romans chapter 8. Listen to this. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption. Now pause. I want you to say these pronouns with, it, with me. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Did you catch it? This is incredible truth because through the work of Jesus, God becomes our Papa, our Daddy. But look a little closer. Not only does God become our Father, but we become siblings. The gospel mends this and mends this. When you trust in the work of Jesus Christ, it is a blood-bought gift that you get a father, but you also get a family. You are not orphans. You are not alone. You belong by the work of Jesus. And sometimes we feel isolated and sometimes we feel alone, but that, my brother or sister, is not what you are. So stop living your orphan life and pull up to the table. That is where you belong. These people see you, they know you, and they accept you, not because of your performance, but because of the performance of Jesus Christ who died to write that adoption certificate for you. You are in. And I love the work of Jesus Christ because it reminds us of this. The gospel is a message of vertical and horizontal reconciliation. We're in alignment. We're in alignment. Not just with the body, we're in alignment with the other wheels as well. Here's what that means. And some of you need to hear this. Come on, Isaiah. You don't have to hide in the bushes anymore. Some of you are hiding hard. You have lived your whole life in the bushes because you don't want people to really see you. The gospel tells us this, God sees it all. He knows, he knows you better than you know yourself. And through the work of Jesus, he's saying, come on, come on out of there. Get out of those bushes and you don't have to sow fig leaves. Good thing, because I can't sow. And fig leaves are not only not very comfortable, they're also not very fashionable. And by the way, they're not very modest either. Now that's a joke, but it's also the reality. Fig leaves don't cover things up very well. We put these chief justifications on and you know the only person you're fooling is you. Everybody else sees the fig leaves. Just get rid of those things and put on a robe of righteousness. 
and be able to embrace all that past mess and junk and failures, those downturns in your stories, those waves that you have royally blew it and say, yes, I am a mess, but I am a deeply loved mess. I am a failure, but Jesus on the cross took every one of my failures. The reason Jesus died on the cross naked, you ever notice that re reality? He died on the cross naked, not just to take your sin, but to take your shame. He was naked so you can be clothed. Let's stop doing the fig leaf thing. Let's put those down and allow the royal rich robes of Jesus to cover all of us. Here's what I wanna invite us to do. Would you gather with some folks around you for a time of prayer? This is the invitation, that circle, that heart, I mean. And I wanna begin by worshiping the Lord together. Just maybe begin a time of prayer, something like this. Father, I thank you for the reconciling work of Jesus. God, I thank you for the work of Jesus that calls me out of the bushes. God, I thank you for the work of Jesus that makes me right this way and this way. God, I worship you for the work of Jesus. Can we worship our Savior for the work that he's done, amen? Let's gather together with some folks and just begin to worship him in prayer. Pray out loud together, Lord, I worship you for the work of Jesus. Let's do that together right now. Father, we worship you. Your people honor you right now. We worship you for calling us out of the bushes, for inviting us into fellowship with you and fellowship with one another. Oh God, we thank you that we don't have to hide because we are seen and known and accepted through the work of Jesus. Lord, we honor you right now. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Brother Marcus, will you come up here and lead us in prayer in just a moment? Some microphone right here. I want to do one more thing. I want to ask God. I want to continue to ask God in prayer that he would help us to fight for family. Every one of us would resist the orphan-like tendencies in our heart. We would resist the temptation to hide and we would come out into the light and we would experience community. I'm gonna invite you to do so in community groups in just a moment. We're still going there, but I want us to orient our hearts for the Lord. So Marcus, would you just pray for our church family that we would fight to experience community? Lead us brother. Lord God, I come before you today, Lord God, just first confessing my own sin, Lord. Father, I do confess that I'm afraid. Mm. Mm. Being family is not easy, Lord. And I want folks to see me a certain kind of way. And I want to show up strong. I don't want to show up weak. I want to show up proud, Father God. I don't want to show up a failure. Lord, but you know me and you see me. Father, you know us and you see us. And Lord God, you as the God who sees, Lord God, and knows, Father, help us to avail ourselves of you. 
Father, may we connect with you, Lord God, and be transparent and connected to one another, Lord God. We, 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 we potentially, Lord God, lose part of the strength that you've asked us to have, Father, when we allow ourselves to be disconnected from one another. Father, we cannot get a chance to experience the love and the joy and the patience and the peace of one anothering each other, Lord God, when we are trying to do this life alone. So I pray, Lord God, help us to connect. Father, just as, as Pastor Ryan has already shared, Father, to commune with you and to build community with each other. Bless us, Lord, as we make the, take the risk, Lord God, take the chance of being honest, transparent, vulnerable, and, and, and dare I say, Lord, self-accountable to be able to own the, the, the mess that we bring to every situation. And we thank you for Jesus' blood that gives us the righteousness that we so desperately need. Father, help us to trade our fig leaves in for the righteousness that you provide. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Marcus. All right, here's what we're going to do. In just a moment... I'm going to invite all of our community group leaders to come and kind of spread around the room here. If we're to stay out of the bushes, if we're to put our fig leaves down, one of the best ways to do that is to regularly commit to connect with other believers, to study God's word, to build relationships, to pray together, to serve together. You won't find the word community groups in the New Testament. It's not there. But what you will find is believers who are regularly committed to gather together to encourage one another. And so for us at Gospel Hope, the way we try to do that is through our community groups. We have dozens of groups. We don't care which one you be a part of. There's lots of options. We just want you part of one. So here's how it's gonna go down. Right up on the screen here, um, there is a code that you can see all the groups through the Church Center app. So if you wanna scan that, you can see all the groups available. You also, Lord willing, when you came in, got a sheet of paper that lists all the groups on there. So I'm gonna invite uh, Tasia and Lynn are gonna be standing right here. If you're having trouble finding a group, these two ladies will help direct you to where they are. And in just a moment, all of the group leaders are gonna be available throughout the room. Here's my encouragement, sign up. Just get plugged in. If you got two or three, sign up for both of them and figure it out later. But, but let's be people who lean into community. Let's not hide. Let's run to the Lord. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray. As I pray, community group leaders, just spread out around here. You can come down front. You can come along the sides, but spread out. Give yourselves some room. Father, help us to respond as we should. Lord, help us to get connected to community. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. DJ Brady, once again, we'll take a few minutes here. Find some folks that you want to connect with. Get plugged into a community group.